Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I greet you in the name of our Lord and our Savior. This is the day that the Lord has made. We're rejoicing and we're glad about it. I am so excited uh, to have you here on this night, this uh, night where we continue in our study, Essential Faith in a Virtual World. Uh, we have been studying uh, lots of different topics. I've been having on uh, some of my friends, old friends and new friends, uh, and I'm delighted to have a newer friend with me on tonight. We started this journey uh, with Reverend Dennis Grant uh, talking about theology or the study of God. Uh, we then moved on to uh, Reverend Robert McCallum, uh, who taught, taught us about eschatology. Uh, we talked to my friend Dr. Rhodes about pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we then spoke with uh, Dr. Uh, Montgomery, I believe it was, about Christology, uh, getting, getting our perspective of Christ right. Now, last week, we uh, stopped by uh, True Light with uh, Dr. Cheeks, and he told, uh, told us about soteriology, a study of salvation. Tonight, tonight I have a good friend with us, uh, one of my newer friends, but a great brother in Christ, uh, Reverend Vincent Russell, uh, who's going to share with us in our teaching uh, on tonight of ecclesiology. But before we get into the study, why don't I just let uh, Pastor uh, greet you on this evening. Pastor Russell, are you there? I am here. God bless you, and thank you so much, Dr. Bluckley. I greet you this evening in divine love, and I thank God for the opportunity to be here. Thank God for uh, this series that you're doing. You're such an awesome series, and we thank God for it. Uh, listen, um, I thank God for you and your ministry in K-Chapel um, here at Greater Fairview. We love K-Chapel, of course. We're in the Fellowship of Churches, and um, it's just good to have a good kindred spirit. So I'm always excited to share with friends, and I just thank God for the opportunity to participate in this lecture series. Excited that you are a part of the series as well, uh, Pastor Russell. Glad that you are with us. And you are no stranger, though you're a newer pastor uh, to, to, to the city. You're no stranger to the city. You, you're, you're some background about yourself. Absolutely. I was born and raised here in Jackson, Mississippi, educated in the Jackson Public School, graduated from John W. Provine, class of 1985, also uh, a graduate of Jackson State University. And listen, I was, I've been a part of the church since I was a little boy um, in the city of Jackson. I, I was baptized in New Hope Church down on Hamilton off of Mill Street and, and um throughout the years matriculated to Greater Fairview and I spent years of Greater Fairview here singing in the choir and and with the layman and teaching in Sunday school and you know just working with Sister McBride and the whole team here and when the Lord led me away from here it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life uh, but the Lord told me he told me while I was in prayer what to do how to pack up and leave and um, Reverend S.L. Spann who was my pastor he laid hands on me and he told me he said if you love God you really love him. You got to trust him. And whatever you're willing to give up for the Lord, he'll give it back to you. So never thought in my wildest imagination that I would come back to be pastor. But, you know, God knows what he's doing. And I thank God that I was obedient because if I had not been obedient then, I wouldn't be operating in my destiny now. So love Jackson. Love that the church is here. Been a part. I came to K Chapel many times as a little boy to to listen to your dad. I just I love this place, and God brought me back to the place that I love. I've lived in five different states, but there's no place like home. Yeah, it is, isn't it absolutely amazing to be able to come back home and pastor people who actually uh, help to raise you? I mean, you're you're pastoring 
Lanny Spam McBride. Talk about that for a minute. <laughs> well, you know, it's so awesome because so many things that I learned in ministry, I actually learned from Lanny. I traveled all across this country with Lanny singing in the choir. Um, actually, I was the president of the choir, I think, when I left. Um, but I just learned so many things and so many different people poured into my life. And um, I was exposed to great ministry by all of these wonderful people. And then the Lord brought me back. But he has a very unique way of taking you away and preparing you and bringing you back. And so um, one of the things I think I'm most, most excited about is, as the Lord told me, when, when I sensed the anointing and the call of God on me to be a pastor, he told me, when you arrive at the place where you're a pastor, I'll have everybody in place that's needed. And what you've sown is what you'll reap. They'll be submissive to your leadership style because that's what I anointed you to do. And so coming back to Pastor Lanny to hear her call me pastor and to check in every time she goes to sing and submit to me is just a testament of the blessings of the Lord. Yeah, it, it, it's it's absolutely amazing. I, I, I pinch myself uh, pretty regularly because I'm looking at into the faces of people uh, who who literally taught me Sunday school, literally held my hand. I mean, and and raised me up from a boy, and and for them to uh, to look at me and call me pastor is a, just a tremendous tremendous honor, tremendous privilege. Um, and and so you and I have, have that kindred in that we we we're church boys. We grew up in yeah. the church. We're pastoring the, the, those people who 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 raised us. And so I, I guess it's a good segue into tonight's study, ecclesiology and, and the church, this this great body uh that, that we are privileged to serve, uh that we're privileged to preach to, uh, uh and 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 this what is it actually that Jesus uh calls us and uh, who he calls us to be and what he calls us uh, to do this this study of ecclesiology, where we are as a church, who we are as a church, and where you see us going uh, as the church. Let me go ahead and put that in your hands, and I'll come back and we'll we'll have some Q and A. Sounds good. Let us first begin with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we are just so humble to this evening to, to just be able to come and approach your word. Father, we thank you that your word is forever, forever settled in heaven and that you watch over your word to perform it. So, Father, as we approach the word, we just thank you that Holy Spirit is our teacher. I decrease that he may increase. And, Father, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. And we just bless you and praise you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. So as we talk about ecclesiology, we're talking about the study of churches and, and the theology as it applies to the nature and the structure of the Christian church. And so one of the great scriptures that we, we always go to when we talk about the church is, the first one is in Matthew 16, chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, Peter's confession. You know, Jesus had asked the boys, the disciples, he asked them, he said, you know, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And, you know, some said unto him that, uh, that, that some say that you're John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, others, Jeremiah, and others a prophet. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon, that hot-headed one, that one that always talked, Simon answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. 
And, and, and what I love about this particular scripture is the next verse. He says, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so as you look into this particular passage of scripture, Jesus established with them. He says, whom do the men say that I, the son of man, am? He already established who he was. But he says, tell me what the word is on the street. And so they told him, and then he said, but whom say that ye that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ. Jesus made it plain that flesh and blood did reveal this to Peter. He said, but my father hath revealed this unto you. And in verse 18, Jesus used a pun, a play on a word. And he said unto him, I say unto, unto thee, thou art Peter. Peter means in the Greek, petro, which is a rock. He said, uh, I say unto, unto thou, Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, if you look up this particular passage in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Greek, he used Peter being Petro and Jesus being Petra, both of them. He said, this particular rock, Peter, you're Petro, and then he said, upon this rock, the word is Petra. Well, well, the rock that he referred to Peter was pretty much like a rock off of a rock, a stone. But when he said it upon this rock, he was talking about Petra. And, you know, Jesus taught in parables, and he talked about every house needs to have the great foundation. And so what Jesus was saying is, you're a rock, Peter, but upon this rock himself, I'm going to build my church. And then he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I know we've had a lot of different sermons preached on this and people shaking the gates. But what Jesus was actually saying here um, as he was speaking prophetically was, listen, when I die for the church, I'm going down into the gates of Hades. And the gates of Hades, as you knew, all of the, the, the fortified cities of all that time, they had, they had gates and they had walls. He said, and when I go down, the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not be able to keep me there. For I'm going into the pits of hell, and I'm coming back up. And so Jesus made it plain here that it's my church. I'm going to build it. I'm going to die for it. It's going to be built on me, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And you would think it would be strange that Jesus, his profession, he was, he was a master carpenter. And so Jesus was a builder already, but what he was going to build was greater than anything that they'd seen him build on earth. He was going to build his church, uh, uh, ecclesia, the called out ones. And so when you look in the scripture, like in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, um, it says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house as a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So what, 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 what Jesus actually said is, he said, I'm going to build my church. And every time a believer comes in, it's another stone in the church. And so Pastor Buckley, he did an awesome sermon uh, when, when, when the pandemic first hit about the, the church has left the building. The truth of the matter is, the church has never been the building. I thought it was such an awesome sermon, sermon because so many people actually see the church as being the building. The church is not the building. The church is where we worship. Listen, you can go to Walmart right now on, on, on 18 or, or in Clinton or, or on County Line Road, and you can lock the doors, and you can find enough Christians in there 
you can make that church. There's somebody in there can sing. There's somebody in there can play a, an instrument. There's somebody in there can preach. We are the church. We are the called out ones. And what I love about it is a spiritual church that gets together in a physical place. Now, listen. We are the stones that make up this church, and I love it that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now, now let me say this about the church, and I know that this has been a conflicting uh, topic in the church, is that, that the, the church is the bride of Christ. Listen, if you study the New Testament, the ecclesia is never explicitly called the bride of Christ, and it's, it's not in the New Testament. It's not. There are references about how Christ, a man ought to love his woman the way Christ loved the church. There are different, different uh, um, um, scriptures there. But listen, if you look at Revelation 21, verses 9 through 11, the word says, And there came unto me one of the seven spirits, which had seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away into the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear and crystal. And, and so when you really look at it, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the head of the church. The church is his body, and just as um, just as we all have a head, we all have a head and we have a body. Well, you never see a head show up at church without the body, and you never see a body show up without the head. When the body and the head come together, they're one. Well, we are the body of Christ. I prayed a prayer when I was young, and I was I thought I was being very spiritual, and I kept asking the Lord, Lord, if you were here on planet Earth right now, what would you be doing? What? And I prayed that for multiple days. And then the Lord responded to me. He said, I'm still on planet Earth and your body and everybody of the believers that, that confess me as their Lord and Savior. We are the body of Christ. So, so he's built this church. And that's why I say you can, you can burn every Bible. You can, you can tear down every church as we call them, every building. But there's nothing you can do to the church because just like uh, 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 just like the, the, uh, the, the pandemic happened and we had to leave the physical building, the church is in us. And so there's nothing you can do. Now, when you talk about the church, you have to talk about the local church and the universal church. One of the things that I love about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is that, listen, he built it, he equipped it, he takes care of it, he does everything that he needs to do. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what he did was, he said, listen, I'm going to anoint those, put uh, anointed callings upon these particular um, offices, and I'm going to have these to operate in my church. And listen, Christians sometimes believe that, that a pastor operates at home and cooks grits and eggs under the anointing. No, we live by faith just like everybody else. But when we stand in these offices and when we step in these offices, everything changes. There's an anointing of God upon us to serve in these capacities. And, and people have thought, well, why would the Lord call him? Well, it doesn't matter why the Lord called him. The truth of the matter is he did, and he placed them in his church, in his body to function. So he gave five 
five, the five, we call it the five-fold ministry. But isn't it interesting that there are hundreds of organs in the, in the physical body, or oh, about a hundred, but there are five vital organs, the brain, the heart, the kidneys, the liver, and the lungs. There are five vital organs in the physical body, and there are five vital organs in the spiritual body. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and the teacher. And what these organs, what these organs do, these organisms, what they do in the body of Christ is, is they perfect the saints. They perfect the saints and allow the saints to do, equip them to do the work of the ministry. And listen, it's essential that all of the organs work just like in the physical body. It's essential that these organs work. Why? Because that's what causes the physical body to operate. Well, if God called this church and he established this church and he put all of these uh, uh, these anointing, uh, upon, anointings upon these men and women of God to operate in the church, well, my question is, when you really look at the church, how do we differ? Well, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, the word goes on to tell us, and God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then the gift of healings, helps, government, diversities of tongues. There are there are tongues, I mean, tons of anointings and, and, and functions and organs that are alive and working in the church. It's amazing that some people in the church, the only thing they want to do is this. And the only thing they want to do is that. However, they differ from one another. And we can get into the scripture about the hand does this and, and the eyes, they do this and the feet, they do this. But what, what he did was Christ built a church. And he equipped us and he perfected us in a way that causes us to complement each other. And so the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Well, when faith stops, it's like the heart of a physical being stops. When faith stops, your life in Christ stops because you can't live without faith. Well, we can't live without breathing oxygen. And so he built this church, and listen, there's a universal church, the church at large, and one of the things that we have to be careful with in the church is to make certain that we don't get so caught up in what hangs outside of our building, what, what convention we go to, and who's our, our president, and who's our bishop, and, and who's our this or that, because when you really understand, when you understand the universal church, um, it causes us to be able to celebrate and operate and understand that Christ is bigger than, 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 than Shady Oaks and, 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 and he's bigger than Jackson and he's bigger than Memphis. This is for the world. Jesus Christ, he said, I'm going to build my church in the gates of hell. So he's talking about Jesus who stripped himself and came down from heaven. And then he's talking about the gates of hell from beneath us. Listen, I'm going to build it based on the, 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 the word of the Lord on the revelation, I'm going to build it on Jesus Christ and the very gates of hell. And so I say this to believers, if you are a part of the church, there, when you operate outside of the word of God, you're operating in darkness. The gates of hell cannot keep you down if you grab a hold to the word of the Lord. And so when you talk about the church, the church is made up of believers. And when you talk about the priesthood of believers, listen, the doctrine of the priesthood of believers states that all believers in Christ share his priestly status, uh, eliminating any special classes. Now, as you study the Old Testament, you will know in the Old Testament that, that the high priest um, 
would enter into the temple at a certain time of the year, and they would they would tie the bells and the and and, and the things around his leg. And if he went into the presence of God, wrong, he fall dead. But in the New Testament, when Jesus came and died for us, listen, we don't need to go to a priest anymore because if you study the book of Hebrews, the the priestly ministry of Jesus Christ, we'll see that our high priest entered in one time. And the blood of Jesus satisfied heaven's court. And so what happened after that? Well, First Peter 2 and 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in times past um, were not all people, but now but we are now the people of God, which had not, which had, which had not obtained mercy. But now we've obtained mercy. So when you talk about, when you talk about the, the priesthood of the believers, we are, we've been called out. We're a chosen generation, and the Bible refers to us as a royal priesthood. Well, one of the things that has happened here is, is a lack of teaching. We, the, 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 the congregants, a lot of times, and, and the lay people in church. If we don't teach them the word and teach them about the, the priestly ministry of Jesus Christ and, and what God requires of us as the priesthood of the believers, then it will cause believers to live below where God has called him. He said chosen, royal, holy, peculiar. And listen, in the Old Testament, and, and even we have some some um, religious beliefs now that you have to go to a priest and you have to confess to him and, and he would go on and he would pray to God. No, no, listen, listen, when that veil was rent, we now have access. He tells us to come boldly to the throne that we can obtain mercy and find help in a time of need. And the other thing you want to keep in mind, the word, as you as you look at the word preacher, in the New Testament, you find it four times, 1 Timothy 2 and 7, uh, 2 Timothy 1 11, and 2 Peter 2 and 5. And all of these is talking about a licensed herald, a person that's been licensed and ordained and out. But when you go to, to, first, uh, to Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, and the word says, how can they hear without a preacher? That scripture is talking about every born again believer. Every born again believer has been authorized have been deputized by the Lord Jesus himself to go forth and be a mouthpiece for the Lord. And so we have to keep in mind that, that what we saw the Old Testament uh, uh, priests do and the way things operated, we're under a new covenant based on better promises and better blood. And so, and so when, you, when you talk about this, 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 this priesthood of, of, of believers, we have to teach um, the word of God to make certain that Christians understand that God is holding us to a higher level of accountability. Because, see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God couldn't get inside of them. But in his church, he comes and he lives on the inside of us. So as we talk about this, then let's talk about denominations. So as I look at Isaiah chapter 11, and you go into verse, uh, uh, um, Isaiah chapter 11, I think it's verse number hmm, I think it's verse number one. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 11, verse one. It goes on to talk about um, um, that, that came from the spirit and the stem of Jesse um, um, and the branch that shall grow out of the root. It goes on, verse two, to talk about the, the seven spirits 
of God, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Listen, these are the seven spirits of the Lord. And when I think about the seven spirits of the Lord, all of these work together, but they are all very unique within themselves. Well, I think about um, I think about a university and the academic colleges within a university. You have the College of Business, the College of Social Work, the College of Science and Technology, the College of Agriculture Sciences, the College of Education, College of Engineering, College of Liberal Arts. College. You have all these different colleges, these academic colleges within the university. They all work and they push and they teach and they make certain that those that are involved in those particular majors within those uh, particular colleges that they matriculate through um, what has been set aside and ordained for them to learn. But they are all academic colleges working under the university. And so when we get into denominations, there are certain things that, that, that the Lord may anoint. There may be a greater anointing in certain areas within certain denominations. And listen, the truth of the matter is we're all one. I have my siblings laughing sometimes, and I tell them that, all of my sisters are my biological sisters, but they all have different last names. One is a Blackman, one is a Johnson, one is a Hammond, and, and uh, one is a Richardson. We're all the same family, but they have different last names because of who they married. They're still my sisters. But this is one scripture that I love in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. It says, but now, but now God had set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. So when I have an issue with who's doing what, he tells me it's not up to you. It's not up to you when, I, when you look at different things. He said, I place them in the body as it has pleased me. What the knee needs to do is keep kneeing and don't worry about the elbow because the elbow can elbow as long as they're working to promote the agenda of the same body. And so sometimes um, denominations, some of them will get more arrogant because some may operate heavily in this area, that area. But the truth of the matter is, if you name the name of Jesus and you're part of the church, we are one body. And all of this is teachings. Now, listen, false, there are false uh, religions here in the world today. And people, why, why would the Lord let false religions? Listen, Jesus said unto them in, in, in John 6, 17, he said, listen, I have chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil. Why would Jesus go and pick Judas? Listen, the agenda of the Lord has to be advanced. The church of the Lord has to prevail. The church of the, the, church of the Lord has to move. So there are certain things that you will find operating that may not be of God. Well, why hadn't God shut it down? Well, why did he pick Judas? That his, that his purpose Judas was used to help thrust Jesus into his destiny. And so there are some people that, 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 that have the wrong doctrine and they are promoting the wrong thing. But listen, I let the wheat and the tares grow together, and that's the Lord's job to separate them. And the last thing I'll talk about is uh, the church after the COVID. Listen, a boat is a wonderful thing for people that love to fish. But you can find a boat on a showroom floor at Bass Pro Shop. You can find a boat riding behind an F-150 on 220, or you can see a boat in the lake. The truth of the matter is, it's a boat in all three places. Now, it's at its ultimate peak while it's on the lake, because what it was designed to do is doing it. It was designed to operate in water.
but it was still a vote going down 220 behind the F-150, and it was still a vote on the Bass Pro Shop. Christians have to realize this. Although the church is not in the building like the Bass Pro Shop, the church was called out in Mark 16. He said, go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. He said, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They'll drink deadly things and it shall not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The assignment of the church has not changed. But let me say this to everyone watching this. How the church operates after COVID-19, it will be different. This is one of the things that I love about, I love about Jesus and I love about his church. When the leaders, those that are called and anointed in that five-fold ministry, listen, when you're in tune with God, God doesn't let anything slip up on you. He doesn't. What he does is he tells you. And for the last two years, I've been telling Greater Fairview, listen, the day will come when the church will almost operate as though it's underground. You won't be able to come here and do what you're doing the way you're doing it. And so while I was saying that, what was I doing? I was running with haste to get all our entire virtual platform set up, to make certain that we had a full database with every picture of every member, to make certain that we have the, 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 the phone number, the email address, to make certain that our director of member services was able to reach every member with one, with the press of one button, we could reach every member, to make certain that we could stream to everybody, have five different ways of giving, to set up virtual services. We're running to do all this. I didn't see COVID-19 coming. But when they made that decision on March 14th to not congregate the way we normally would, uh, Pastor Buckley K. Chapel, just like Greater Fairview, we didn't scratch our head. We were doing what we were doing already. We just had to adjust and tell the, the congregants, stay home and watch what's going on via your, 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 your smart devices, your television, whatever, however you have it set up. But the church after COVID-19, all the big programs, all the big musicals, and all the huge edifice that we built and all of these things that we thought was just the ultimate way, we're going to have to operate a different way. Listen, if you don't have a, a social uh, person over social, uh, your, um, um, your platform of, 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 of um, Facebook and all your social media, and if you don't have all of that in your church now, your members are going to suffer. Well, if the shepherd needs to make certain that the sheep graze in good pasture, it's up to the shepherd to make certain that the church is able to come together. At Greater Fabio, of course, we do Sunday morning. We do it live. We do Sunday school. Everybody is on at 930. We have morning prayer on Monday through Friday at Friday at 7 o'clock. We have the, the prayer warriors prayer uh, virtual every Tuesday at noon. We have Wednesday night Bible class live. We do Zoom every Thursday for our salt and light. They are still getting the same curriculum that was designed for them the whole year. There is no, Our church is together six days a week, more now than we were in our regular uh, uh, operation here. But listen, when I came to Greater Fabia, I said, listen, we have to have a contingency plan. We have to have business continuity, church continuity, in the case that something happens, we can operate. And so a lot of members have stayed home for a lot of weeks and months now. They're saying, I'm getting this. I can pay. I can do this. Well, the, the church needs to be wise as a serpent. 
harmless as a dove, but to make certain that we utilize the technology that God has given to us to advance his kingdom. There are tons of people now that are watching and they are being saved. And we're reaching people now that may not have come to the church. But listen, God has allowed all of this technology to come into place here. And we need to take advantage of it in the church. Why? Because kingdoms and governments will rise and fall. But he made it plain that the gates of hell will not prevail against church. And as long as Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will operate. And so here at Greater Fairview, we're making certain we're taking all of the necessary steps to enhance our virtual platform to make certain that the church of the Lord, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, goes forth and continues to thrive from this place. And we thank God for that. Amen. 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 You, you, you have covered the topic well, and and uh, I'm glad I'm saved because otherwise I'd be jealous and and think you're trying to steal my members. But I ain't <laughs> all that you're doing over the week. But but thank God. No, seriously, seriously talking. But thank God that 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 uh, we have we have been prepared and we are making the necessary adjustments. I, I want to talk about that in just a minute, but let me go back a little bit. Um, because you started this conversation by talking about um, Jesus' play on words, uh, Petro, Petra. Um, one, of the other, one of the other words that I think is interesting um, that, that, he, that he makes a play on is ecclesia. Yes. Um, in, in the classical Greek, that, that word ecclesia was actually a political assembly. Uh, it was an assembly that meant for, for those who would come together and 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 vote or or do whatever whatever was needed for the day for that, that demographic of people. Jesus takes that term that they're very familiar with, a political term, and flips it, <laughs> and 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 says, "Upon this rock I will build my church, yes. right? My assembly, my ecclesia. You you're used to the ecclesia of politics. I'm going to build an ecclesia." of spiritual life. Talk about that for just a minute. Yes. So one of the things that, that the church has to keep in mind is is that when you talk about ecclesia, being the called out ones, and, and in that particular day, that wasn't, a, again, a, a term that was strange. They, they knew what it meant to them. And so their thing was there was their organized, they had an organized system and an organized way in which they did things. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to build my order. I'm going to build my way of doing things. And so inside of what I'm building, my people will come in and they'll come out and they'll do what they need to do. But what, one of the things that I love about Jesus is that Jesus always spoke to people where they were so they could understand exactly what it is that he was saying. And so for them to hear that, they had to go, oh, my God. And there were times in the scripture when, you know, they said, we've never heard a person speak like this. And, and they listened to Jesus and they were like, wow. But when Jesus, when Jesus said this to them, not only am I going to build my ecclesia, but I'm going to build it on me. And so they knew what their systems were built upon, and they knew some of the corruption that was in their systems. But when Jesus talked about building the ecclesia upon him, one who, who knew no sin and, and 
and one who had come down from heaven, some of the things he said went above their heads that, 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 was, that were revealed later. But, but for him to, to say that to them, and I'm sure in their hearts and in their minds, they're thinking, wow, this is going to be, have, to be, have to be something awesome. Because we're familiar with this, but not in the way in which you're seeing it. You're, 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 you, you, you pick 12 out, and, and you have the rumor mill talking about you and all the hype about what's going on. And now you're saying that you're going to establish an ecclesia based upon you. Um, it had to have been something that was plaguing to them. But again, the church needs to understand that every word in the Bible, everything in the Bible points us to Jesus Christ. There is nothing placed in the Bible by mistake. You can go back to the, to the book of Genesis, and from the book of Genesis chapter 1, you see it pointing you to Jesus. And so when Jesus shows up, the whole Bible had pointed to Jesus, the whole Old Testament. And so when Jesus shows up to establish this kingdom, there was so much. Now, now the folk around, like the Pharisees, they, 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 they knew scripture. They knew scripture. But there was so much that had been talked about, about Jesus coming on the scene. And so when Jesus starts to talk about this thing a different way, see, see, see the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. So what had been concealed in Scripture in the Old Testament, when Jesus came on the scene, it was now being revealed. So as he spoke these things, oh, my God, their eyes and their minds were like, oh, my God. So that was an awesome thing with Jesus telling them what he was organizing in his church. It was his. So, so yeah, I, I love the fact. I love the fact that, that he takes this very familiar word, ecclesia, has political context and connotation, flips it for spiritual, for his kingdom, and yet, and yet, um, there is there is the backdrop of Jesus as yes, he is the Son of God, but he is on the side of the oppressed. That that never leaves, right? He 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 is the God of the disinherited. He is the and so and so you. There is the there is the using this familiar word, advancing it so that it means something more. Just like he did with with the Passover meal, right? He he yes. takes the Passover meal, gives it new significance, and yet it still reaches back to its former former original meaning. And and I say that because I think sometimes people like to try and divorce the church away from it having any social implications, away from it having any, any, any relevancy to, to issues and topics and politics of the day. Well, let me say this. When you really think about it, what Jesus, when, when, when Jesus was speaking, the people of that day, they, were, they, they, they understood kingdoms. They understood kings. They understood kingdoms back in the day. And so when Jesus was talking about he's going to build his church, and it actually is the, it's a kingdom. And so inside of the kingdom, like when you see in 1 Corinthians where he talks about governments and all of these other types of things, um, Jesus, he, when, when he came on the scene and when he said what he said, he took all of that stuff that had been prophesied that seemed mysterious, and he began to break it down. And when you think about it, when you talk about him being with the lowly, actually even the way he came on the scene from the start, Jesus, 
the way he was born and where he was born and who he chose, who God chose to conceive and bring him um, here to the earth. When you think about that, all of the people of that particular day, they actually looked down upon that. But what God did was God took Jesus, and when Jesus came on the scene and began to speak, they, they, some of them had issues with, with Mary. And you remember they said that he was born of fornication. They had some issues, but they could not refute the words and the power in which he spoke. And so when you talk about Jesus coming on the scene, well, kingdoms all through the Bible were moved and, and, and kings were appointed and leaders by the hand of God. So God has always been in the midst of, of when you talk about governments and how people are treated, etc. As a matter of fact, when, when the children of Israel were in Egypt and, 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 and they were crying, when God spoke to Moses, he said, I've heard the cry of my people and I have come down to deliver them. Now you go. So, so God, all through the scripture, and we go back to Genesis, we see Jesus, you know, Elohim, we see Jesus there. Well, God has always worked. And, and, and when Jesus came on the scene and began to speak like this, what I love is to see him from such a humble standpoint, speak such powerful, prolific words, and, and, to, and to say, I'm starting this kingdom and, 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 and the gates of hell. And not only did he say, I'm going to build it. But when he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, of that day and time, they knew about cities and gates, and they knew about fortified cities, and they, and they knew about the, the authority that, that were wrapped up in certain strong kingdoms and cities. But Jesus made it plain that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so he took that thing that had been spoken of since the, since the book of Genesis and said, I mean, in one statement, just divine mysteries that he said to them that caused them to be able to relate because of their time, but at the same time, mess up their theology, just mess up the, their beliefs and mess up what they understood of, uh, of how things operate because Jesus had just said, who do they say I am? And so all of that had gone into them, but Jesus says, let me make it plain. And the last thing I'll say about that is this, Jesus does in the earth, God does in the earth what is spoken in the earth. And so all of that that had been prophesied about Jesus and the church all through the Old Testament, when Jesus shows up, he still has to say it in the earth for it to happen. And that's one thing that the church has to understand. We were created in the image and the likeness of him. And so, therefore, we have to speak those things into existence. We have to say them. That's why we pray. He knows what's on our heart. He says, but listen, you're a part of me. Whatever it is that you desire when you pray. You saw Jesus all through the New Testament, hiding away, tucking away to pray. Why? Because when the tough times came, he already had in him what he needed, and that's what the church has to do as well. Absolutely. So I, I, love, I love you talking about when Jesus came, what Jesus did, and, and I, I can't divorce that from, from him taking the, 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 the scroll of Isaiah, right, and and, and reading from that and sitting it down and sitting down himself and say, you know, this day this scripture is fulfilled. I, I, he has anointed me, right, to preach, to preach the gospel, the good news, to set the captives free, to, to all, all, of this, all of this language of the Old Testament pointing to who he is, what his ministry is, and then what he commissions us to do, right, as 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 his disciples, now that I'm leaving you, 
Go ye into all the world. So, so, and, and here we are now at Pentecost Sunday, um, where, where, where Jesus is gone, uh, the, the Holy Spirit comes, and the church age begins. Um, the church age begins with the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is what we, what we celebrate this, this coming Sunday. Um, and you see this explosive growth uh, of the church because of the presence, the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. Um, what, what we, we, Pastor Rhodes talked a little bit about the, the role of the Holy Spirit um, uh, in, in, in churches. Where, where do you see, how do you see uh, the Holy Spirit, particularly in this season uh, of, of, of this pandemic and, and where he is taking the church right now? What do you see happening? Well, one of the things is, you know, I, 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 let, me, let me talk about America first. A lot of Americans, um, Christians, saved and unsaved, have taken on a, a, a bit of arrogance. And when I say that, let me explain. We live in a country, the land of the free, uh, the, um, the superpower of the world, um, where we have everything, so much stuff at our disposal. I mean, beautiful churches, beautiful homes, all of the stuff that God promised to give to us. He says that when we seek him first, him and his kingdom, that all of these things will be added unto us. And what has happened is individuals as well as families as well as churches a lot of times have gone after the stuff to validate God. And God said, no, the stuff would validate the fact that my hand is upon you. And so let me say this. The, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I love the way he operates because sometimes it seems like he's a salmon. He's going upstream. Um, and it'll be totally opposite of what we may be thinking of how we may be doing it, because a lot of Christians will say, well, in the middle of a pandemic, why is God letting this happen? Why, why, why? Well, the Bible plainly tells us that Satan is the God of this world. And when Jesus prayed for us in John 17, this is what he prayed. He said, Father, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but I pray that you keep them by the truth. He said, thy word is truth. So, so when the Holy Spirit came on the scene and when the Holy Spirit comes in the life of the believer, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, he'll be our comforter, he'll be our guide, and he'll be inside of us. And, 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 and listen, and he'll reveal things to us. He'll lead us. He'll do all those type things. But right now in the church, what the church has to understand is, listen, the Holy Spirit, is, if you didn't interrupt a flow in Holy Spirit, there's an interruption in where we can't go to Walgreens and things the way we want to, but the, the operation of the Spirit has not changed. And what God is saying to the church is this. Listen, and I, I don't want to say I love this, but the fact that when, when, when the Passover happened, that, that, that they were told to go inside their houses, to put the blood on the, on the doorpost, and to stay inside the house. And for this year, for Passover, everybody was told to stay inside the house. Listen, the Holy Spirit has not changed. What the, what the role of the Holy Spirit is now is the same role of the Holy Spirit that has been since, since, since the Holy Spirit came to the earth. What our role, we need to make certain that we further define our role and listen and be in tune to the Holy Spirit because God already knew COVID was coming. The Holy Spirit was not shocked. What we need to do as Christians, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. I talked about that ignorance. Ignorant, arrogance, and ignorance. We need to come down, humble ourselves, and pray, and seek the Lord's face. 
So many churches, they can't wait to see their pastor. Well, listen, I need you to see Jesus. You don't, you don't, listen, you don't feel good when you drive up to 2545. If you look at the early church, and when Paul was talking to them, and he was talking to them about how their worship is, remember he told them, he said, if by chance an unbeliever comes in, what do you mean? I thought that's what the church was for. He said, if by chance. Listen, the church, as we know it in our church services, should be to us what the gas station is to my Cadillac. I stop there, and I fill up, and I go home. I don't do my driving at the gas station. I stop there and fill up. Other cars are being filled up just like me because there's been a deposit in the huge tank. And so what the church needs to do is, that every Christian and every believer, we need to make certain that we stay full of Holy Spirit and we continue to be being filled. So as we go to and fro, I had a, a, a member last week that had surgery and was in the hospital and got the nurse saved when the nurse came in after they came out of recovery. That's what, the, that's what the, 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 the Christians need to be doing. And so, listen, when Jesus told them to go into all of the world, and, but he told them now, he said, wait until you're in due with power. When the church understands that God has anointed us to go ye, that means he has equipped us. Anything that God tells you to do, anything that the word tells you to do, the Lord gives you an anointing to do it. And so what we need to realize in the midst of a pandemic or anything else that happens, it can't stop us from hearing God. And so this, this is what I say to the church. I need you to be sensitive. I need you to listen to the voice of Holy Spirit as leaders, as pastors. We need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because things shouldn't catch us by shock. But what we need to know is we need to know that when things happen, that God is still in control. He's still on the throne. So what, so what is the role of the Holy Spirit right now? His role hasn't changed. We're the ones that need to change. We need to adjust, get in the word, stay in the word, and stay connected to Holy Spirit so he can lead us and speak to us even in the nighttime while we sleep. He can speak to us and give us instructions. So we'll be making decisions before things happen, and the world will be saying, well, how did you know that? Because of Holy Spirit, I got, I got, I got the insider trader information. Before it hits, before it hits CNN, I already know what's going to happen, and that's how the belief. That's how we need to posture ourselves as believers, because the Holy Spirit, He has not changed, and we just need to be more keen and and, and tune in tune to the Holy Spirit to make certain that we're not grieving God. So, so, so one of the things that I love this about the Holy Spirit is is that the role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into all truth. Yes. Right? The Bible says that he, he is our comforter, but he's also our guide, yes. that he leads us into truth. I was, I was listening to um, uh, uh, Howard John Wesley uh, this past Sunday. One of the things we can do now, since, uh, <laughs> since we have a little more time on Sundays. Um, so, yeah, I was listening to his service and his sermon on Sunday, and one of the points that he was making, uh, this is at Alfred Street Baptist Church in, in Virginia, um, he was talking about uh, Noah, and and he said one of the things that while Noah was sheltered in place in the ark uh, for for over a year, uh, one of the things that that let him know that it was time to come out, uh, he sent out the dove and the raven, right. and and if the dove and the raven came back, uh, then it, he he needed to stay in, but once. Uh, those animals stayed away, he knew 
that it was okay to come out because there was land, there, the, the waters were receding. And the way he talked about it was that was the science of Noah's day, right? That, 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 was, the science, that was a scientific experiment uh, that, that was being conducted from the ark. And, and, and I think the point being made here is that we can be spiritual and not have to at the same time somehow deny the science uh, that, that's at play um, and not, not, you know, look the other way at the science. We, being spiritual does not mean we, we, don't, we aren't logical as well. Correct. Absolutely. And, and let me say this, Pastor Buckley. Um, as, as those that are anointed of God and to, to lead um, and shelter the sheep of God, it's imperative that we operate in wisdom. And so just as he talked about, about Noah and, and what Noah did, um, I'm certain that Noah probably thought that was a great idea to, to release the dove and the raven. He thought it was a great idea. But the truth of the matter is, he was, just like he was led to work on an ark that long, uh, for rain that he'd never seen before, God prepared him to prepare his his family. And what I was saying about the role of Holy Spirit, uh, God told Noah to build an ark, a strange place, uh, a strange uh, 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 what is this? This is this big thing, and and it's going to do what? And 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 so he worked on it for a period of time, and then it rained. Well, first thing is that's how Holy Spirit leads us to prepare shelter before it actually happens. And then the next thing is. And then you, you talked about how he released the, the raven and the dove. When if, 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 if the Christians really studied the Bible, and I'm not saying just read the Bible, and especially leaders, if we study the Bible, you can't deny science because they go hand in hand. And so whereas, like after the pandemic, there are some trying to rush back to church and they're saying this, that, or that, or that. Well, no, listen, I'm going to listen to the scientists, and I'm going to watch the numbers, um, to make certain that I operate in wisdom. Why? Well, why would God create scientists and give them that level of, of insight and, and anoint their lives that way if not, we're not going to use them? If that's the case, we could throw away the doctors. But the truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit, he leads us into all truths. And the thing that gets us is sometimes if we could figure out how the Holy Spirit would lead us, then we get ourselves there without him. But the truth of the matter is, in the middle of a pandemic, when you can't do anything but trust him, see, one thing God did was Noah, when, when Noah was building the ark, Noah could have stopped building the ark. He could have kept building the ark. He could have delayed the ark. But once the door was shut and he was in the ark, he just had to ride it out. And so with this pandemic, now it's here. And so what we have to do as churches is it was, God put them in a shelter. And, 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 and what we have right now is shelter. We're sheltering our members from coming back into the church. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to let us know when it is safe. Now, people will say, but some churches have already come and some have done. That may be true. But again, I mentioned the weed and the tares. The way the Holy Spirit leads us to lead our congregations is, uh, is uh, I always say, it's tailor-made. And so uh, one, 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 one person um, in one, one congregation may be doing one thing. And, and the Lord may have led them to do that. But what we need to do is we need to make certain that Holy Spirit speaks to us. So all churches operate with the autonomy of what goes on within the local church in our particular circles. And we just need to make certain that we trust the leading of Holy Spirit. And I'll say this as I end this piece. Um, some people that haven't really trusted God and heard from him yet, you're going to have to trust him and hear from him now because we're in a different season, different time. 
Pastor Russell, there, there's there's one last piece that I want to I want to bring up uh, because at the end of your teaching, you started to talk about uh, the the church and its changes, um, the changes that we've had to make, uh, the creativity that we've had to use, the technology that we, to which we've had to adapt um, and, and and implement for the sake of of mission and ministry to continue. Um, I was I was watching a, a Zoom call uh, the other week. It was led by uh, uh, different church leaders across the the nation. Um, uh, Walker was on the call. Joseph Walker, um, Jamal Bryant, um, Rudy McKissick, um, who else? Dewey Smith. Uh, all these all these guys. Um, and they were talking about. Uh, the the thesis of the call was the church will never be the same. Correct. That was the thesis of the call. The church will never be the same. And I, to some degree, I, I definitely see that. I mean, in in our own context, with things that are that are changing right now, um, things that we have to do differently because right. necessity just demands it. Right. Um, I don't know how I feel about it, <laughs> but but I recognize that it that it's it's where we are. Right. Um, yes. Upon my rock, I will build my church. Crisis and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I I believe that the church is is built to last. That that until he comes back for it, it's going to stay here. The question is, I guess how how different will it be, and you know, are we? You know, so so like I just mentioned, you know, I suddenly find myself with more time on Sundays than I've ever had before, and I know that 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 our people are looking at a whole lot of more services than they ever have before, because they can now. You know, I mean, they can they can they can find anybody at any time now, um, and we are because of this. I mean, people are watching church in their pajamas and slippers and got coffee and. I mean, so it's it's a different context right now, and yes. I guess my 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 question is: Are we creating? Is this creating an, a, another kind of church, a new generation of? We already had, had bedside Baptists, but 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 to, to a greater degree now, right? To where when this thing changes. And and when the vaccine finally comes online, and when everything begins to open up in full and in earnest, will the church have so diametrically changed that that it never goes back to what it used to be? Well, I will say this: um, there will be there will definitely be changes, and and one of the reasons I'll say that is is because once you expose people to a new way, and you persist in that way and their needs are met in that way, when you revert back to the old way, you may, you may, you may have 10 that, 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 that are forced to, to, to adjust. But when you revert back to the new way, you probably won't get but seven to come back to the new way. Now, the Bible tells us and commands us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. together. That's a commandment of the Lord. But listen, last Monday I had a meeting with another new member that lives in Columbus, Ohio. That was talking about um, the right hand of fellowship. People are joining churches that live totally across the country, and and you know they are on every 
every stream that you're having, they'll give, and every every offering that you take, and and now you know we're creating our classes and things that we have inside the ministry. We're putting them online and even creating a members portal that you will be able to log on to and and put in your member pin number and take whatever class you want. Well, the truth of the matter is, this particular generation, when you look at where we are right now, I look at some of my 70 and 85 year old members that are on the conference calls that are that are streaming live with us. They've been challenged to learn how to use social media. But my 12-year-old nephew, he could teach the class. So when you look at it just in that regard, the way that the generations have changed would force a change. But secondly, after the church has, has been forced to, to, to go home and stay within their homes, and now all of a sudden we're waiting to come back, listen, everybody is waiting to come back for that Sunday for a great release. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But now when they need to miss church, or they need to be somewhere else, they will catch it. They will pay what they need to pay. But one of the things that's not bad out of all of this, the church has gotten complacent into services. We, we are thinking, our thinking has been wrong. We've, everything that the church has been doing at large, and you know what I'm saying, has been about a service, about me doing a call to worship, seeing everybody here. That was not the assignment of the church. The assignment of the church was to go ye. You come here and you be fueled. So let me say this, Pastor Bucky, especially those ministries that have not availed social platforms to their members, after COVID-19, they're going to look for their members and some of them will be going to a different ministry because of the fact that they were not in touch with their members. But listen, after 9-11, the whole banking industry was changed forever. The government passed legislation that allowed us to change it because we were crippled. We, 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 we woke up scratching our heads saying, what happened? And we were compromised. I worked with the Federal Reserve System, and the Federal Reserve had 84 processing sites across the country. Two years after 9-11, they had two. Then they went down to one. And then they basically said, don't send that stuff to us. Change is inevitable. And my thing is, for every pastor, we're living in an age of technology. We have a class that we offer here at Greater Fairview um, that, that, that uh, as a part of we, every October, we do what we call Wednesday Night Live. And this past year, we had seven classes, last for five weeks. And um, so we're offering a class just a, a, how to use your cell phone. I know Verizon, they do it. But to our senior citizens, how to use your cell phones, your tablets, and how, when you're streaming from home, how church television have this. Now, our, our teacher director, and there, we launched a mission called North. So we took all of our conference calls, and we took all of the names from our streams and, and from all of our Zooms, and we cross-referenced them. And then we, we compared them to our full roster of active members. And anybody that showed up missing, we highlighted them, and we turned that over to a team to find those members and to find out, are you not able to connect? Do you not have this? Do you not have that? Can we show you how? And when I talked the last week, we had one member that I found that was not connected, and I called them and had a conversation with them, and then I told the administrative assistant, get with IT, have them call this member and see what this member needs to be able to join our service. Well, listen, once you've equipped everybody to do that, 
And a lot of churches have measured their success by how many people showed up in the pews. How many people show up in the pews and how big you can build a building means nothing anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. You're going to have to understand that if I'm not strategic and how I minister to the people, if I don't understand that this social platform is space, this is space like the, the square footage in a church. Your social media space, that space, and you have to occupy that space, and you have to produce the, what you're uh, occupying that space with in a manner as if that's all you had, even though you have those back in the church. And so uh, a pastor needs to understand that if I'm just looking for church to be exactly like it was, and for me to have to have an usher to find a seat and hold up a finger and say, I got one right here. It may not be like that. It may in some places, but it may not in others. But the truth of the matter is, it's going to cause us to shift our focus, to shift our focus. Every morning when we have prayer, I have people from D.C., from Charlotte, from New York, from Washington, L.A., Chicago on the prayer line every morning. And now people are paying tithes here who are not a member because they're joining in in the streams. So you're right, they're watching every stream. A pastor needs to make certain that what's going on virtually is equivalent to what's going on inside the house. And that's a whole seminar, because it's definitely going to be different. Well, the church the church has left the building. Uh, the church is, is, is changing, has changed. And, and I'll end on this, but one pastor said it like this, we, we in this age, we've got to learn how uh, not to count footprints anymore but count fingerprints uh that it, it it's that metric uh for for how we connect and count our membership uh has has just changed and and we've got to uh start thinking in in those in those ways pastor russell thank you so much for being with us tonight i appreciate you uh sharing with us uh my friend and and uh blessing us with your teaching I certainly pray that uh, the Lord will continue to bless you and the greater Fairview uh, family. Uh, we pray that God's uh, blessings and richest uh, mercies would be upon you and your family as well. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Buffett. I enjoyed it. Listen, thank you for inviting me, and I pray blessings upon you and your family and, and the Cade Chapel family. I just pray that God will continue to bless you to be a great blessing to this city. Our prayers are with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we close with a word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that in and through all things, you are God. Because you are God, you, we can trust in your word. God, your word tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, which gives us security, which gives us solace to know that, God, whatever is going on, your church will remain. So, God, we pray now for churches all across this land. We pray for these two that are connected tonight virtually. I pray for my brother and for his ministry. Oh, God, I pray for Kay Chapel and for all of our membership. God, that in these changing times that we will be absolutely assured and certain that you are the eternal God and that your word remains forever. Lord, we pray now that as we take our leave, that your spirit would go with us, guide us, and protect us, lead us into all truth, so that, O oh God, we would glorify you, and that men and women would be edified by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Grant it now in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, 
our Lord, our Savior, and our Christ. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, I want to remind you, K Chapel, that we are continuing in our series this Sunday. This Sunday at 11 a.m., continue uh, to join in with us for our scattered series. Uh, We want to ask that you also invite your neighbors and your friends to share with us. We're having a, listen, let me just be honest. We're having a good time. We're having a good time. And so we want to invite you to continue to uh, share with us during that time. Also, I do want to let you know that, that this will conclude our Bible study uh, for just a moment. At the beginning of June, actually, our Vacation Bible School will be kicking off. And so we invite you, uh, our adults, uh, to join us on Wednesday night during this same time slot uh, for Adult Vacation Bible School. Um, Youth Vacation Bible School will be on Tuesdays. Adults will be on Wednesdays. And so though Bible study won't be here, Bible teaching will still occur, and so we invite you to take part in uh, Vacation Bible School uh, starting next week, I believe it is, next Wednesday. God bless you. God keep you as our prayer. We will see you on Saturday.